What can chairs reveal to us about our culture and history? Well, new object, space, exhibition and book. The Chair, a book of design and making in Aotearoa, is a history of the past 170 years through 100 chairs. It's 110 chairs. It's been created, all created by 83 intrepid designers. The curator of this impressive project is Object Spaces director, Kim Patton, and she joins me and Tamaki Makoto in our Auckland studio now. Kia ora, Kim. Kia ora, Mark. Lovely to have you there. Are you sitting comfortably? I am indeed. <laughs> I was just, you, th- this exhibition of which is, uh, there's some beautiful images on our website, made me look at what actual chairs we have in our studios. Um, I got plenty to check. You've, you're sitting on the same one as me. It's from a company called Bureau Seating, or I think a... An Australian company, not New Zealand? Yeah, well, no comment on that. <laughs> <laughs> um, can you tell us a little bit about how this exhibition came together? How, did, how was your interest sparked in the chair as an idea for such an impressive show? Uh, I think the main motivation was this idea of what one object can tell us or show us um, about the way that we live and the way that we have lived. And so... I have to confess I wasn't a chair obsessive before the research began, but certainly am now. But we wanted to Mm. look at an object that resonated really broadly with people, regardless of whether you have any interest in design or the way things look. And the chair, given how integrated it is into the function of our daily lives and work and at home, was a really obvious choice. And also for, it's a, it's a special object, I think, for designers and architects. Um, you know, it seems to be one of those persistent things that people uh, pursue in designing well and which in turn are quite hard to design well. Yeah, well, just that, that at the moment, but I just wanted to, you know, recognise the name of the gallery object space. I mean, it's the very name of the gallery, really, isn't it? This idea of the object is telling stories. Yes, absolutely. It's heart, absolute heart of object space with the only... You know, publicly funded institution in New Zealand with a discipline focus of craft, design and architecture. But what mm. really sits at the absolute heart of it is material culture. It's the things that we surround ourselves with in our daily lives. I think if people can look at the images on our webpage or even much better get a copy of the book that's coming out later this month or come to your exhibition space in Ponsonby, I mean, it's a, it's a striking exhibition and it, it just really, just as... To, to echo what you're saying, it, it, it's the chair has this kind of design language as elegance. It's almost like a sort of figurative alphabet mm. <laughs> when you put them all together. It's such a a beautiful way to kind of see how design is changing and evolving over time visually. Instantly, you can see it. Yes, and I think you know if you think about the job a chair has to do, it's it's demanding. It not only is it quite a large object if you think about the objects in the home, for instance, but it's also got this job of holding holding our bodies um, in a a, uh, a very specific kind of forty seven centimeters off the ground, <laughs> um, and you know ergonomically speaking, the sitting position isn't isn't actually a natural position for the body, and ah. so. Um, and then you think about the way in which human behaviour has changed um, over time. You know, it's only you know in recent civilization that, that, that sitting while working would have been um, would have been common. Yeah. But also that idea of um, lounging or reclining, sitting to relax, is a reasonably modern idea. Well, I mean, I'm thinking of of, of culture here in New Zealand and Aotearoa, of course. Um, I mean, the earliest chair you've got is a colonial chair. It's made out of whalebone isn't it? Uh, Māori did not have chairs. 
Yeah, to speak. Yeah, from everything that we've looked at and read and everyone we talked to, there is no um, recorded evidence of chairs in that in that Western um, kind of uh, object, uh, you know, idea of what a chair is in Māori culture. And there's um, obviously the use of the floor and of the mat and the the entire marae, the architecture of the entire marae to hold. Um, art forms, but also to kind of spatially guide the body. But so, yes, the exhibition starts uh, in the very early 1840s and really does start with uh, settler culture in Aotearoa. And the, the whalebone chair that you've got there, it's, you cheekily kind of talk about it as being the, the earliest chair in the exhibition and the newest um, because it's... Uh, so what? So fragile. Can you can you tell us a little bit about that that chair? Yeah, well, that that is a it's a special chair in in the exhibition because the original chair, and it's actually it's it's not the earliest chair in the show, but certainly one of ah. the earliest. But it it resides in Auckland Museum um, collection. I believe it was discovered. I think I think the story goes it was discovered in a bin in um, the nineteen forties <laughs> in really? Rus- in Russell. <laughs> And it has been attributed to a whaling station uh, in Northland, and it, it's the it's dated in various ways, attributed to, it, uh, to different dates. But we know it is pre eighteen eighties, and it is very likely made by a whaler um, who you know in a in a making do sense um, to create something to sit on um, in what can easily be imagined as kind of a bleak whaling hut. But it, it, it um, exists of a whale vertebrae is the seat and it has a piece of the whale backbone that is inserted as the back of the seat and then additional bones become these three legs. It's very small, it's stall size. Wow. Um, and it's got this very thick, the, orig- the actual chair has got this very thick um, layer of enamel paint, and I'm not sure when that would have been added. But um, we requested to loan that chair from Auckland Museum, and it was declined. Um, and so, and there were, we, we, we had many, many chairs declined from um, museum collections. Mm. And, and so, we it became one of these chairs that we you know there was kind of a loss and an, an absence knowing it wouldn't be there and then reasonably late in the research process Michael Lett, um, terrific gallerist in Auckland, um, let me know that he had had a long long standing interest in that whalebone chair and actually oh, really? had requested um, that the museum undertake a, a digital scan of the object some years ago and he and he had. He had the files, but he'd never acted on getting it 3D printed or moulded um, out of what, a different oh. material. So you you had that happen. Why was he interested in it so much? Oh, I, mean, I mean, Michael's an, you know, hugely interested um, in design objects as well as art objects, but I, I, from what I understand, has a very strong interest in chairs. Mm. And um, I think it was imagining... You know, the form of the chair being cast in a different material, I think, wasn't a, a really kind of... Um, you know, elusive thing to 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 contemplate, and I think that had had been what had driven that initial request. So it was quite amazing, I think, that the museum had had mm. done that for him, but also that he'd he essentially had the files, and he just hadn't quite made that decision to to act on having a chair made. So working <laughs> with him, we had the chair three D printed, 
And so it is not the original chair. It's a 2023 replica of the chair, which has formed this lovely loop and that it did become one of the oldest and also one of the newest chairs in the show. And, And the only way it is there today is because of advancing you know technologies um, such as 3d printing that has enabled it to happen and it's a it's a interesting and resonant thing as well thinking about um, you know works that exist inside collections or works that have been lost to time you know ways in which we might we might in some part uh, re- uh, recreate them yeah I mean, it sounds like a, a remarkable kind of detective hunt the whole show yes, really yes. I mean 110 of of these um, chairs, but and and, so, and of course some of them are very well known and they're very familiar to people. The Fernware school chair mm. that we still see around is um, one that people immediately will kind of remember. Um, but I guess I was really struck by uh, you, you quote in a in a beautiful essay with the book, um, which I really recommend because it looks so beautifully at each each chair. Um, Hans Wegner, I think, who says the chair is the piece of furniture that is closest to human beings, and that I guess that I don't know. I just felt these kind of prickles. The one that really struck me, uh, that made me think about the gift of the chair, was uh, it's called Kura Kofatu, which was a chair that was commissioned for the Wellington Central Library, mm. which is almost like a cloak, a, a wooden cloak around you. And and people, particularly in Pornicky and Wellington, will remember this chair um, because you you can't help but sit and think that you it's just this enormous loving gift to any any citizen of the city to get to sit in it. Yes, acclaimed Māori designer Karen Wilson, who I think was collaborating with Athfields, you know, when the library was um, being designed and built, and he made a significant amount of, um, designed a significant amount of furniture for the library. And I certainly remember those chairs from being a student in Wellington, and, and Karen talks about, yeah, this cloak of knowledge being wrapped around people as they um, sat within the library and as you say you can see it in the work and it's also an example of how kind of object histories are subject to being lost you know um, those chairs went up for auction um, sometime in the last five years, I think, with um, with obviously the the all of the in, very intense earthquake work that's being done on the library, and um, while we were able to source that chair from Karen, the um, you know the the hundreds of them have been kind of who, who knows quite where oh, they've how ended sad. up. Mm. It's how sad to think that not, you know people are going to come back to the library when it reopens and it's going to be worth my chair. That's right. They, yes, that's right. Uh, uh, <laughs> There's so much we could talk about today, Kim, mm. but I, I, I kind of wanted to point to a particular chair in terms of its um, period. It, it strikes me that there was a bit of a golden period in terms of kind of small handcrafted production lines in New Zealand in the 80s and 90s mm. here. Um, and and the, the one that um, uh, is quite remarkable in that sense to me was the Marilyn Sainty cocktail chair, mm. which features a milking machine hose. It's, uh, yeah, yes. it's quite something. Yeah, so the the eighties and nineties really did emerge as kind of two extraordinary decades, um, amongst others, of course. But um, and it was this real um, 
through the establishment of um, guilds, regional guilds up and down the country, there was, as well as um, the beginning of a really incredible period of um, furniture exhibitions um, being put on regionally, there was this beginning um, move, you know, movement and there was actually a period where a, a group of 25 furniture makers kind of assembled to, um, to create the, what was called the New Zealand Furniture Group, and the attempt was mm. to, you know, broaden awareness, um, create education opportunities, bring out visiting, you know, international um, furniture makers to to teach New Zealand uh, practitioners, as well as foster exhibitions. So there was this actual concerted effort to um, to create a movement, and it also was at the time that. Um, you know, the advent of the incredible craft design diplomas that were rolled out through polytechnics kind of emerged out of that period, but unfortunately mm. didn't survive for very long. But but so, yeah, there was just the most staggering amount of exhibitions over a two-decade period. And and as well, there was, there was this focus on, like, deep studio practice, like fine woodworking, but there was also wow. an increasing interest in experimentation and also of like finding that kind of endless pursuit of like what does a New Zealand culture and furniture design and making look like. So you see the likes of David Truebridge and Humphrey Eichen and Karen mm. Wilson doing extraordinary work um, expressing expressing a really unique sense of of being here in Aotearoa in their furniture, but Marilyn's con- cocktail chair emerged out of uh, a series of exhibitions called Artiture, which were from 1987 to 1993. And Karen Wilson, along with Marilyn and a whole lot of other people, it was kind of almost like a working group that wrapped around Artiture. I think the first one was an abandoned, abandoned building one or two floors up on Queen Street. Uh, three of them ended up being held at Auckland Museum, but they it was really a... You know, the premise was simple. It was, you know, art meets furniture. It was thinking about furniture without the boundaries of commercial uh, success. But, you know, there was a real uh, focus on experimentation and play. And the, the legacy, um, it, it's quite extraordinary that, you know, that, uh, yeah, wildly experimental, a huge amount of, you know, fashion designers, architects, <laughs> yes. you know, different practitioners coming to get, you know, making furniture. Um, and Marilyn's, uh, yeah, the, the cocktail chair was in one of the early artiture shows, and it is an extraordinary chair. I think Marilyn herself describes it as barely there, um, <laughs> which I think is a lovely way of describing it. And it and it is kind of based on a, uh, from what I understand, it's kind of ba- it takes its form from a Russian con- constructivist drawing. It's oh, right. it, this, you know, you can see it looks like a drawing almost. These arcing. Um, swirling lines in this black seat and you take one look at the chair and boy do you want to drink a cocktail on it (laughs) Um, and what's staggering again about that chair so six were originally made and then a further six made um, you know a decade and and a bit later in in the 2000s but so 12 only ever made and that's a a resonant thing many of the chairs and exhibitions Wasn't it incredible how do you find these things Kim? Yeah well Where do you start? (laughs) Yeah I mean it really it was the most amazing research project I've ever been able to work on for that sheer delight of like one thing leading to another 
And part of that actually it, it nods to I think you know, some really serious and massive gaps in our cultural histories. Like we, yeah. we we are not a strong um, we don't have a strong culture of collecting design. In in my view, um, again we 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 struggled to be able to make, to um, get loans approved from larger institutions um, museums with collections. So it was an incredibly hard show to put together without. The use of um, collections, yeah, yeah. Um, but but so we did. Um, it was it was absolutely one thing after another. A huge amount of interviews um, and kind of one to one meetings with um, designers and makers. But we also did a public call out um, last year. Once we realised that some of the museum loans were declined. And so we went out to the public with a specific list of either makers or particular chairs as well um, as requesting general tips. Mm. And that was an amazing process. We, wow. we, we probably, if we did it again, we'd, um, we, we might need to hire someone to uh, manage the um, <laughs> manage the calls. But, you know, you re- there was this that sheer, actually lovely kind of cr- analogue, crowdsourced yeah. part of it, I feel like is, you, I feel it in the show and in, in, and it was there in the opening, just well, hundreds of people this engaged. Is something, this is something, Kim, I really love about object space and I, I, we won't have time to talk more about it and you, you've got a gallery in Christchurch now as well mm. but there is a real sense of expanding opening out the, the walls of, of galleries to a, to a wider community and this show does that in a way as well I wanted to just uh, finally talk a little bit about I mean there's an Ernst, Ernst and this kind of brings us back to the, the Australian chair that you're sitting on there's an Ernst um, Pliska quote from the 30s or 40s there where he says you see the social and economic trends expressed in small objects like chairs and it's really interesting looking at the show in terms of how that has changed how the chairs reflect you know international trends how we were sort of taking ideas from overseas and replace you know repeating Mm. them Um, where are we now with the chair I mean has the golden age passed Are, are, are we dealing with too many imports is there a strong Community of makers and designers still here. Um, I mean, I think I think maybe the golden we still we're still waiting for the golden age. Ah. Um, I mean, I think you're right. I mean, in every turn in the show, you can see like you can see the forces of the economy. You can see what trade tariffs are doing, and you can see how hard it is to make a living. Um, commercially and even in a bespoke studio furniture way as a designer or maker and I, th- I don't think those conditions have changed a great deal. I think what you don't see a lot particularly outside of this artichoke shows is a lot of wild experimentation or kind of bombastic chair designs that you know we might be you know seeing coming out of Europe or the States now and I think it is because the, the requirement to be commercially focused, to be looking to a market where you can actually survive is is imperative. But what we did what we certainly found with recent uh, with like the most some of the most recent shows in the show is that there's we did we've found, you know, quite young uh, designers and and woodworkers and craftspeople who are fully engaging with those hand skills of fine woodworking. Um and mm. I, I think it was just that resonant thing that I think we can have this kind of cultural amnesia about what's come before us or that idea that technologies are always pushing us towards something and away from something else. But the lines are all there, this kind of ancestry yep. or kaupapa uh, that that sustains through generations. And I, I guess the, sh- the show was a real... 
um, a moment for us to, th- to think about that, what happens if we lose uh, intergenerational knowledge. Mm. Kia ora, Kim. Thank you for joining us. The chair is on at Object Space Tamaki Makoto Auckland until the 3rd of March. The impressive book, um, which I can't wait to get my real hands on now, is being launched on February the 25th, and they're even doing a version of the Antiques Roadshow coming up on February the 24th.